so we're starting this series called The Lost Sons, Lost Sons of God. Uh, it's five weeks, and I get the privilege of kind of doing an, an overview, okay? I'm going to just share from the Word, all right? I'm not... Re- I'm just doing the overview, but I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke 15. And I'm going to read it with you. If you have your Bibles, um, we're going to read a bit of the scripture, then I'm going to make some comments, and then we're done. So in my Bible, it starts off and it says, the parable of the lost sheep, okay? Luke 15, it says, yeah, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Crazy, hey? He picks the sheep up. I'm sure you've seen pictures. Holds the two two legs, two legs on his shoulders, carries it home. Bag of potatoes. I did it with Benicio, you know? Carries it home joyfully. Guys, it's not easy to carry a sheep joyfully home. He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulder. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Next topic, parable of the lost coin. Verse 8, that's what it says in mine. Or suppose, so now it's the second example. He likes to give his examples there, his parables. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Suppose you have a million bucks and you lose 100,000. But you've got 900,000 left. Suppose you have 10 million and you lose a million. And loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and her neighbors and say, rejoice with me. Have you ever lost your keys? You call everyone. Where's my keys, babe? Have you seen my keys? Where's the keys? Where's the keys? You're going all around. And when you find it, you don't just find it and go. You find the people. You say, I found it. Relax. Just take it easy. Hmm? Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. You know, the story goes, a Samaritan woman would get, this was a Samaritan lady in the story, because they used to get 10 silver, silver coins for their wedding gift. The resemblance is as of a wedding ring. It's the same as if it was very sentimental. It wasn't value. It was in in monetary terms. It was value in a gift, a wedding gift. It's like your wife losing her ring. 
and never finding it again at that hotel. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> we'll make a plan. But, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it really was sentimental, you know. And so she was frantic looking for it because they meant a lot to her, one of them. And it says here, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Crazy, hey? I think about Marie's story she shared just now. That day, seven years ago, Sunday the 6th, well, the 6th of August, seven years ago, there was a celebration in heaven. Celebration. You think Bernard's party, that's nothing. You think the biggest wedding feast you've ever seen, that's nothing compared to that celebration that happened seven years ago. And it happens every time someone repents and turns to the Lord. So then we go on, parable of the lost son, and this is the series. So let's read the story. To illustrate this point further, that's what Luke's saying. So he says, here's the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus speaks about the sheep. Then he says the coin, then he says, to illustrate it further, in case you didn't get it, let's say this. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate before you die. <laughs> but So his father agreed, I don't know, to divide his wealth between his sons on that day. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. So he took half of his father's wealth or estate and wasted it all in wild living. Unbelievable. About, that, about the time his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. How's that, eh? Isn't it a coincidence? Which we know it isn't, because the Holy Spirit uses our circumstances to make things, to reveal things to us. So it says here, about the time his money ran out, a famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, so hungry, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. How's this? But no one gave him anything. Now, you've got to understand, this was a... Jewish family, he left his inheritance, and for a Jewish guy to leave and to feed pigs, the most unclean, if you look at Leviticus, they were not even supposed to touch pigs, still to this day, let alone eat the food that you're feeding them. That's how desperate this oak was. And it says here, 
but no one gave him anything. Now, how's this? When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Crazy, hey? I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Unbelievable, hey? The guy asks for everything. He gets what he wants. He wastes what he has. And then it says there, and when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, even the people at home live better than this. Now for me, it's the Holy Spirit that causes you to come to your senses. See, you can't come to your senses without the power of God coming upon you. That's what we call repentance. You can't even be saved without the Holy Spirit beginning to speak to you. And beginning to transform your heart. And the guy's sitting there and he's working with the pigs and he's like, okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a decline from this mansion of wealth to getting thing, to losing it all, to squandering everything, to being with the pigs, to coming to his senses. Now how's this? This is beautiful. So he returned home to his father. Sorry, when he finally came to his senses, at home, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. How's this? I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. This is, like, I can't. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him what he said he was going to say. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe. <laughs> if you go and study the, the household, who does the finest robe belong to? The head of the home, the father. Again, you took 50% of my, of, my, of my wealth. You squandered it. Here he comes running. He says, bring my robe, my one. Bring it. I have to put it on my son now because he's home. Bring the ring. It's beautiful. The father's not interested in the robe and the money and the ring. Symbols they are. But he's interested in loving his son. How's this? Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. That means he was walking barefoot, I assume. That's why I did, you know. And kill the calf. 
we have been fattening because there's a celebration. The fat one there. Bring the, that one. Crispy. We need to celebrate this day. That's unbelievable. I mean, Bruce said it. He said, imagine if Benicio comes, he's 18, turns 18. On his 18th birthday, he says, give me a fifth I'm cruising. I'll say, you're mad. Firstly, you're mad. This is, <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting 50% until the day I die. And then the executor can see if you're in a position to accept that. But it's like, it's, it's painful to give that away and then see him squander it. How's this? Bring the fattened calf. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. Check this. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Done. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You see, the parable of the sheep, the sheep wandered foolishly away. Sheep do that. The coin got lost by no fault of its own. Oh, here's the 10. Dropped one, fell under the clay jug, then Samaria, and it's lost. It wasn't the coin's fault. But the son deliberately went he made a choice, selfishly, to leave. And he found himself lost. But guess what? The story goes like this. God doesn't care whether you foolishly wandered away, whether you got lost, not your own fault, or whether you selfishly decided to leave. He accepts and embraces us no matter which way we went. And he says, come home, my son, my daughter. See, the reason why this story hits me so hard is because this story, when I read it the first time, I thought, hmm, who, how did the Bible know that about me? How did they know this was me? How did Luke write a story about me? It should say the parable of Frank. That's what it should say. Because I took my parents everything. Never mind what they gave me. I stole stuff as well on my way out. Went there, did whatever. You guys know the story. Do we have that other picture? There's a picture of a bucky there. I don't know if you can see it. I found my old man. I was far gone. Far gone. Zero rand left. People wanted to kill me. You guys know the story. I phone my old man and I say, Pa, can you help me? He says, where are you? Doesn't start saying no, nothing. He says, where are you now? Come home. Come home. You see that bucky? It's not that exact one. It's called a van. That's a Chevy Custom Deluxe 10. Three liter V6. 
black pearl, whatever you want to call it. I come home. My old man had a, had a van like that. My old man had a van like that. And um, he, some woman might not understand this, but he built that thing for 20 years, 25 years maybe. It was his project. It was his prized possession. Anyone who's ever built a car with the one hour you've got left on a week to tighten a bolt and then you must go back to work and sort everything out. Any man who's ever built anything and has a project knows what it means to build a van like that. And when I came home and I said, this is the situation, I said, give me a list, showed him the list of the money. Half an hour, van was gone. Sold. Sold. His prized possession meant nothing compared to his son coming home and asking for forgiveness. Took the money, paid some of the debts off, still had some, but it helped me tremendously. And it's like that for this father in the story, you know? And this is just our earthly father. The Bible says, if your father on earth knows how to give good gifts, how much more your father in heaven? If my father, after I stole from him, my mom, my sisters, everyone around me went on my own mission for years, doesn't give us timelines, but for years, till I came down to my senses, pick up the phone, five minutes, sold the van. He has the cash, the love of a father for his kids. So the story carries on like this. So the party began. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Like, what's this party going on here? They started without me. What's happening? And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. It's almost like they've been speaking about this calf for a long time. Like when, (laughs) you know, like they're grooming this calf. They're like, boo, this one is, you know, like... There's something special about this calf. When, when the father kills this calf, you must know. Your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never even gave me one goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by giving him the fattened calf, or by killing the fattened calf. Now we're going to go into all of these older brother, younger brother, Jesus, the Father, during this series. So this is an overview. But if you look, when he started in Luke 15, it says, tax collectors and other sinners 
were listening, right? This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with sinners. So he's, he's illustrating the story. Why are you complaining when someone returns to God? And we need to be very careful that when people come to God, join the church, or I don't know, the guy comes, he's a day saved. He's, he's there preaching the gospel. Don't harden your heart to the people the Lord brings and become like these guys and say, well, why, why are they getting everything? I've been here working for you, God, for 15 years, and I get nothing. And this like pulls in and he gets everything. Yes, that's right. That is right, because you've been here the whole time. You've been here the whole time. Unbelievable. But we'll get into that. So let's not harden our hearts to people or new people that come to the Lord and they've got fire in their bones, you know, because of what God has done. How's this? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always, see, he says, dear son, both of them are his sons. You have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. Have you heard the song? Oh, happy day, happy day. You washed my sin away. If you can't celebrate someone's sin being washed away, you can't celebrate anything. It's the most glorious thing that can happen to a person. People standing up from wheelchairs, amazing. People being healed, amazing. But there's nothing better or greater than someone's soul being transformed from death to life. For me, I'm not mocking healing. I'm not mocking the power of God in those things. I'm just saying death to life is the greatest transformation that a man or a woman can go through. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I don't know. I, I read the story and I just think God's great love for us. The good, good father. We sang their glorious day. I was in a tomb and I came back to life. And this story is a story of God's life, God's life, and resentment between the two. That's the overarching theme. So the older brother, the religious guys, are angry at the father, God, that the younger brother gets everything even though he wasted it. How can this be? I can imagine, I can picture the family. But you can be sitting at the father's table, eating with the father, and be as far from your father as that other son or your brother is down there. You're just as far in your heart. You're in close proximity, but your heart is gone. And the father is saying, 
whether you're this close to me and far in your heart, come back. And whether you're that far from me and far in your heart, come back. And whether it was your fault or not your fault or you did it selfishly, see, bitterness caused the older brother to be as far from the father. The other brother, the younger one, decided once the Holy Spirit helped him to come to his senses. Through circumstances, God does that. He said, what am I doing? Have you ever had that moment? That's the moment transforms your life. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, come. And then you start driving past churches. For me at least, you feel like, why? Like I look at the church and I slow down and I feel like you must go in there. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Hold on, bro. I'm on the way to the pub. I look at the church and I start feeling like, like I see churches, you know. And then I start feeling like I've got to go in there. And then I was a lazy guy, so I Google churches in my area. No one wants to mission. Lighthouse to the nations. Pull in. Holy Spirit transforms my life through a series of works. And so you look at this, and I'm closing. It says, we had to celebrate this happy day. Don't make small of somebody's salvation. When somebody gives their lives to Christ, whether in the church, at work, you prayed for someone, you celebrate with that person. Straight, come to the front. Okay, they might be ashamed, they might be feeling a little bit intimidated, cool. But you celebrate with that person. It's the greatest thing they could have ever done. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. And I want to share two, two scriptures with you. Two Corinthians five seventeen. Listen to this. We all know it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, not transformed. New. Not I've taken this old thing and kind of made it a little bit better, and here you go. Here's a new version. No, not two point no, not 3.0, nothing. Dead, new. It's incredible. Has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. There's your brother. The father, it says the father ran out when he was still a far way away. Down there. Who's that? I see that. I can see it's my son. Starts running. Grabs him, hugs him, get the robe. New life. We have to celebrate this. Check here. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Then go with me quickly. 2 Corinthians 1. See the brother. I think the younger brother comes back. They have this party. Just allow me to just dream a little bit here. Because it doesn't tell us what happened to the older brother and the younger brother afterwards. But I, I think the servants must have said, where have you been? What happened? 
Where did you go for all this time? And guess what? I reckon he was in so much pain there that when he came back, he could comfort those that were still here. And he said, guys, you don't know actually what you have here with my topi. My father is a good father to you and to me. And he begins to comfort them because of his experience. See, sometimes we need to go low or lose what we think we don't want to realize what we have. It's that song. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. You abuse what you've got till it's gone. So we go to 2 Corinthians 1 verse 1. It says, God offers comfort to all. And I'm closing after this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so merciful and the source of all comfort. Beautiful, huh? He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Beautiful. He comforts us so we can comfort others. Marae, that day, he comforted you so that you can comfort others and encourage others. The pain you felt like the younger brother is the source of comfort for somebody else one day. And it already is. And I can see you comforting other ladies in the church and comforting people around you. And he's use, he uses that to reach others. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be given... How's this? When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Imagine being able to comfort someone in the same way God has comforted you. You can only do that by experience, by experiencing the pain that they are now going through. You can't make it up. You have to feel it, be comforted by God. Then it happens to someone and you can say, this is how God comforted me like this. Beautiful. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. And I've got a feeling, I've got a sense that when that younger son came home, some of the servants there were saying, we got a cruise. Some of the servants in the house were like, tell us. Why did you go tell us this and that? And I just feel like he had to experience that so he could comfort those in the master's house. And sometimes we go through things, we have to experience them to comfort others around us. And so the other guys, as they shared during this series, they'll unpack more. But for me, this parable is the story of the greatest thing that we could ever receive. Death to life. And I wonder, you know, there's two things. The older brother 
was so close, but yet so far. And the younger brother was so far and yet so close. At any time, he could have just said, I'm going back. But I'm sure he was like prolonging it to try and see if things would turn around. So we can be so close and yet so far and be so far and yet so close. So I want to ask this morning, where do you find yourself? Where do you find yourself? Because the father stands looking. I picture the scene of this long road and the father standing in his estate looking every day to see. No, that's not my son. It's just the traveler passing by. That's not my son. That's not my daughter. And the one day, that's my son. And he starts to run and he embraces his son with open arms. And this morning, I believe the Lord has got his arms open towards you, towards someone online, towards someone that you thinking is too far. Maybe it's your brother. Straight, the story. You sitting here and your brother is far gone. He's not too far for the Lord. He's so close. He just needs to come to his senses. Maybe we can pray for them this morning.